0: Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Lucky Few podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Mercedes and Micah. And today we have an amazing special language pathologist and nutritional coach for parents of kids with complex, picky eating, developmental delays, and neurodevelopmental disorders. She is here to share insights into speech, feeding, nutrition and more. Thank you for joining us friends. Welcome to the lucky few podcast.
1: Heather here, and I'm excited to share more with you about Jonas Paul Eyewear, this episode's sponsor. Jonas Paul Eyewear was founded by Ben and Laura Harrison when their son Jonas was born nearly blind at birth. This was extremely unexpected news that no parent prepares for, but it gave them a window into the world of blindness. Ben and Laura could have let Jonas's visual impairments dampen their spirits, but instead, they used this new challenge as fuel to launch Jonas Paul Eyewear which now specializes in glasses for kids and teens ages four to 16 years old. Jonas Paul is on a mission to help kids feel beautiful and confident in their glasses. They have at-home try-on kits for just a dollar, which allows your child to try on the glasses for a week without ever leaving your home. And once you're ready to order, their prescription glasses start at only $79, including prescription lenses. All you have to do is head to jonaspauliwert.com to learn more and order your home try on kit for just a dollar. Make sure you use code theLuckyFew15 at checkout for 15% off any future orders.
0: All right. Micah, I am so excited for this guest that you have found and brought to our attention because I need her. I need her advice. I know. <laughs> we all need her. We need her.
2: I felt like I'd found a little magic. I had a little magic explosion in my internet when I found her website. So, uh, so cool. I feel like the things that that Shandy is doing is very unique and yes. taking... Um, like kind of smooshing together a bunch of things that I have been trying to find somebody to smoosh together for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes,
0: <laughs> like, 100%. I,
2: and we've been talking about this on the podcast so much about nutrition and how that has been affecting our our kids and bringing out the best in them as we've changed their diets. And also about our challenges with, with speech for our children. And we know mm. so many of our listeners have, I mean, so many, how, what's the percentage Mercedes of kids with Down syndrome who have speech
0: apraxia? Oh my goodness. I think it's high up there. I want to take a guess. So this is a guess, but I feel like it's 50, 50. Like, I feel like, um, that is a common when you get the diagnosis, Down syndrome speech delays is listed right there. It's a typical, um, I don't want to say issue, but it's a typical thing that comes up as a struggle to a person with down syndrome. And, um, I feel like for sunflower, it's all there, right? I ask her questions. She wants to tell me about her day. It's all there. But, um, the struggle to get her words to come out is so hard that she gives me like three words at a time now, or maybe four, like Mm -hmm. mom, dad, go, you know, or mom pool me. You know, um, so it's all there. It's just she has to search for the words that she can say, you know. It, that's how I see it.
2: Yeah, it's like everything is is in the brain. Yes. And where that little tunnel from the brain to the mouth is yes. is clogged up. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, <laughs> that's it's my clogged remember. up. It's just hard to like get it down the chute. Yes. I loved how you mentioned finding a person that um, mushes it all together because I'm a big fan and not always the best executor, but a big fan of a healthy diet for the outcome I want for sunflower. And then I also like to hear from experts who do mouth exercises. And it's funny how it's not more common to have both see both as factors. It's like one or the other. So you're right. She's like gold that mixes that understands both are needed and have a place and are going to help your child. And you have both.
2: Right. Right. And when you talk about mouth exercises, exercise, you're talking about like oral motor. Yes. Um, oral, motor. oral motor therapy. And that, you know, I feel like ACE has gone through a lot of different feeding therapists in his life. Mm-hmm. And the most, the, the times that he has, grown the most has been when the feeding therapist is also an oral motor therapist and can do mm-hmm. both things at the same time mm-hmm. because those are so interconnected. Yes. And, and it does, it just makes so much see, sense that feeding, oral motor, and speech are all interconnected. Right. And then of course, nutrition too.
0: Nutrition.
2: to <laughs> be part of that as well. It's like right. a big
0: happy circle. It is. <laughs> so <I> like that. <laughs>
2: So um, I'm really excited for us to bring Shandy in because our listeners have heard us talk so much about our children's speech. (laughs) I feel like Mercedes, we've had lots of conversations about About speech, Um, yes. So let's, let's bring in the expert and see where we can go from there. We're so excited to introduce you all to Shandy Lasky. She is a speech-language pathologist, a pediatric feeding specialist, a functional nutritional nutrition therapy practitioner, and she is a coach for parents who need help bringing those things together for their, for their children. She has a passion for holistic living And of course, she loves our kiddos with different abilities. Mm -hmm. So welcome to the show, Shandy Lasky.
3: Hi, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I'm honored to be here and I can tell already that you two are just like speaking my language. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that you found me.
0: Yay. Me too. Yes. (laughs) Yay. We're so happy to have you here, Shandy. Can you tell us about yourself and about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you said,
3: I'm an integrative speech-language pathologist and pediatric feeding specialist. Um, I went through sort of my own health journey that led me here. It wasn't just something I, you know, woke up and said, I'm going to combine all of these things today. It was something that um, kind of really fell into my lap. And then you know, I'm, I'm sure that you both can relate to this, but as you start learning more about how nutrition can help these kids and can impact these kids, it's like, you can't stop. Once you know that you have to continue learning about it. You have to continue diving in because it's just not, um, common knowledge. It's just not mainstream. So super passionate about that. Um, more about me, I was born and raised in Michigan. I now live in Denver, Colorado, um, but I see families around the world through distance coaching, and I specialize in kids with complex um, picky eating needs who have um, more atypical extreme type of picky eating, um, either with and or without um, neurodevelopmental Delays and disorders. So, children with Down syndrome, sensory processing disorder, um, autism spectrum disorders, Pans Pandas, um, ADHD, language disorders, speech disorders. You know the whole gamut. So, um, yeah, Amazing. my my role is not so much that traditional um, therapist role anymore. It's more of a parent coaching role, mm-hmm. um, but I love that because. I think that there's something so rewarding about being able to empower the family to be Mm -hmm. the therapist within their home throughout their day. Right. Especially for parents of kids with down syndrome and, or with autism. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're talking about families that will have multiple specialists, multiple therapists, and Mm -hmm. sometimes that can turn into like borderline a full-time job
0: to manage that. Mm -hmm.
3: For sure. Um, So yeah, so I really love to empower families and parents with those strategies that they can utilize Mm. so that um, it's not, it's not just about what the therapists are doing in therapy. It's also what can you do at home?
2: Mm. That's wonderful. And I think it is, I felt so many times as the manager of ACEs therapies, (laughs) you know, like I'm, I, I'm designing the, the big picture and pulling them all together and just to have the idea of having someone along with me to help me see the big picture of what we're doing because otherwise it's just like getting him to this place, getting him to that place and feeling guilty about the homework we're not doing at home mm-hmm. and all of those things. And I think especially right now during the coronavirus, as we're all like trying to navigate therapy that's all virtual. Mm -hmm. It's even more on us as parents to
3: really understand how to bring all those things together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know it's been very tricky for um, a lot of families that I'm speaking with to navigate all the changes right now. Yeah, it's a lot.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, Shandy, a lot of our audience is mom's of kids with Down syndrome or a dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and autism. And so many of these kids have received speech therapy or are receiving speech therapy. How, how do you, what's your general explanation of how you feel like functional nutrition influences the way you approach speech therapy with children?
3: So for me, Specifically, I am not operating as a traditional speech and language pathologist in the capacity that I'm in, Um, because it just would be too much, you know what I'm saying, like, Mm -hmm. to teach the family the nutritional aspects while navigating the often- coexisting extreme picky eating that that comes with it. And then and then also doing the speech. So at this time, I'm not doing traditional speech and language therapy. But what I really focus on is how can we serve these children in a way that is going to allow for their foundation to be set Mm -hmm. in order for them to receive the therapies and the educational strategies that are being provided to them. Mm -hmm. So for example, what I mean by that is say you've got a kiddo with a dual diagnosis or not, who is very high energy, very limited focus, those pre-language, pre-verbal skills, like joint attention and symbolic play, those, those may not even be there yet, right? Yeah. I, and I, I have, as I'm saying this, I have a handful of kiddos that are like right there in my mind mm-hmm. as I'm describing this, um, who I used to see for traditional therapy. And all I could think was, I wish I could just change their diet.
0: Mm.
3: And, and here's where I want to connect that for people who don't totally, totally get what we're saying when we say this. So, so that kiddo who's bouncing off, off the wall, can't hold the attention for speech therapy, right? That traditional speech therapy, in my mind, their foundation is not set. In my mind, that child probably has a food sensitivity to most likely gluten, most likely dairy, most likely other things that are triggering these um difficulties with focus difficulties um attending right as we address their nutrition and their lifestyle, right? Because many of these kids are also chemical sensitive, which means that they are also being triggered by things within their home and in their environment, potentially, Mm -hmm. um, like fragrances and things like that. And as you clean those things up, the diet, their environment, as those things are cleaned up, the child's underlying biochemistry becomes a little bit cleaner. I'm talking all the way down to like the cellular levels, right? but our organs are made of cells and our body is made of organs that are made of cells. So if your cells are unhealthy, the rest of you is not going to be functioning accordingly. Right? Mm -hmm. So I start with nutrition and lifestyle so that that child can be in the most ready to learn state so that they are available for therapy. Because otherwise, if you don't address those things, you're basically throwing therapeutic strategies at a kid who's not receiving them.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So
3: good.
2: I, I have get a,
0: an amen. An amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I raised my hands up. <laughs> I wanted to ask you because I'm a person that loves practical examples. So when you see your, this child who is high energy and you know they probably have food sensitivity, chemical sensitivity, sunflower for sure has both of those and one of the biggest changes was the chemical sensitivity. I like examples. What are your brands that you would recommend? I always want to know what the experts are using and uh, you're not endorsed by them, you know, blah, 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 but I just want to know what you're using. Coming yeah. Oh, yeah. When you
3: say like brands and stuff, are you saying like, what are the like top new? Nutrients- Nutritional supplements I'd re- recommend right away. No,
0: or I mean, I, I guess I thought you were maybe talking about like what you use at home, so chemicals. I was thinking like detergents. Oh, so yeah, all that stuff that's going on our child's body. That even though we're washing a dish, it's they're still kind of ingesting it because they're eating off that dish. I was talking about that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So my all time favorite is Branch Basics. Oh. I don't know. Have you heard of Branch Basics? No,
2: I haven't. My I have to say this. My sister-in-law is their PR person. Get out.
0: <laughs> I'm going to need to contact me. I have no,
3: idea.
2: I have she, no idea.
3: She All is like
2: it obsessed with them. And I was just made a note to myself when that I would need to get a box of Branch Basics.
3: I, I was just going to say, I believe it is a $10 off starter code. Okay. Um, the starter pack code. It's on my website. Speaking of health and wellness, if you okay. go to. If you go to products, I actually list the a lot of the products that I use because I get really? these these questions all the time about right. what do you use on your face, what do you use yes. in your home, what do you use on your body? Branch
0: Basics.
3: Branch Basics. That's my go-to. Now, okay. Branch Basics is when I first learned about Branch Basics, I um, was hesitant because it's a little bit pricier at first when you're looking at it for for the starter kit um, because it comes with a concentrate okay. um, that then you mix that concentrate with all with water to okay. create basically all the cleaning products that you would wow. have. in From laundry detergent, to hand soap, to bathtub cleaner, to uh, window and mirror cleaner, and wow. everything, all the things. Um, I would also say their, um, their oxygen boost powder, they have like a little uh, a powder too in addition to the concentrate that is worth it that is 100 percent worth it that will take out any stain i'm convinced it's amazing wow. i use it on my carpet i use it on my clothes mm-hmm. um it's wonderful so that's what i use in terms of cleaning okay. um but more frugal options would be like lemons organic white vinegar okay. salt baking soda um, Dr. Bronner's Castile soap, Mm -hmm. right? Like these are all more frugal options that if you can't necessarily order branch basics and you're just starting from the beginning, Mm -hmm. that might be a good place to look. Are these more frugal options? Um, I know for me, like when I started going and you might relate to this too, Mercedes with sunflowers, chemical sensitivities,
0: Mm -hmm.
3: with my chemical sensitivities, it came on so fast that it wasn't a matter of just like, "Oh, I want to live more low-tox. I'm going to slowly transition." It was a matter of, "You need to do this as fast as possible, because you are tanking. You are uh-huh. going down. Like right. you need to fix it now." Um, so for me, I felt like my switch to low-tox living was very much a um, fast transition. It was mm-hmm. not it, w- it was seemingly overnight. And yes. so for me, Um, I was a college student at the time. And so I learned to do it in the most frugal ways. So for a long time, I only cleaned with like vinegar and baking soda and lemons. and salt.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, Yeah. yeah, For sunflower and it's common for little ones with down syndrome, she had like a chronic runny nose and which could then turn into ear infections. So then she was hacking up all night because of her runny nose. And I grew up, um, on Ivory Soap, Tide, you know, I grew up on what you find at the grocery store at Albertsons, nobody shopped at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that. So I grew up with that and I had come across, it was when Honest Company was starting to come out. So I think the conversation, what I could find online, like non-toxic living was something that was attainable and I could read about it. And so we switched out everything We avoided having her get tubes in her ears. Her um, runny nose was no like non-existent except for cold season. She still would get it during cold season. I just have never been more of a believer than when I saw it happen. You know, it always takes for me, it takes my kids for me to believe it. For myself, I'm a little bit harsher on myself, which I shouldn't be. But I, I didn't make that switch until I saw the major impact it had on sunflower.
3: Absolutely. It makes such a big difference. Um, and like you said, you don't really believe it until you see it, but once you realize it, and then also, unfortunately, sometimes like once you go chemical free or remove, even with the diet, right. You remove these things and then you get an accidental exposure and Mm -hmm. then you're like, Oh, Whoa. Now we really see why we're doing this this makes a huge difference.
0: Yes, And What would be your first advice to that parent when it comes to diet, what to take out, what to encourage to eat, all that? Mm -hmm. So the
3: starting points for diet for me are always looking, well, first and foremost, always looking at where the child is starting from. Because again, I work with kids who are complex picky eaters. And if they've only got five foods, which some kiddos I work with have actually less than that, which is shocking you can't just remove all the things, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a lot of people will say they'll eat when they're hungry. But for the kiddos that I work with, that can be a very dangerous thing to say. Um, So I avoid that at all costs. I I never ever um, give the they'll eat when they're hungry.
0: Mm.
3: Because it's just not true for all the kiddos that I see who are more complex. But if so, I always start with diet quality. So if the diet is not already free of synthetic chemicals, um, synthetic dyes, flavors, artificial preservatives, genetically modified organisms, which then comes with all the herbicides that are applied to them and all of the agricultural chemicals and residue, I like to clean up the quality of the diet first and foremost, and then from there, move into a dairy-free, gluten-free trial. Um, I say trial because, you know, I don't want to make it sound blanket statement, like all these kids must be on the gluten-free, dairy-free diet. Um, But I'll tell you, I still haven't seen a kid who hasn't improved from it.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Not one. Even if it's a small change, um, there's still a change. And even still, once you remove gluten and dairy, there are foods beyond that that may very well be triggering children um and you guys might have covered this before but but you really can't the tricky part about it is that if gluten and dairy and artificial colors and dyes and flavors and chemicals are still in the diet then it's hard to dive deeper to bio individualize because you you still have that layer that may be causing those symptoms right Mm -hmm. so it's like as you take those layers off you watch what symptoms improve and then you keep watching what symptoms remain and why could those symptoms still be there for example i've got a kiddo in my mind who i worked with who she was gluten and dairy free she was gluten and dairy free for a few months and they had Spaghetti sauce, and she was up at like four in the morning, and they were like, "We don't, we can't figure it out. We think it was maybe the nutritional yeast, or," and I said, "I think it might be the tomato in the paste mm-hmm. of, of your pasta. Ah, I don't know, I don't know." Sure enough, like two weeks later, they had tomatoes again in some different capacity. Little girl was up four in the morning again, like clockwork. Mm-hmm. You know, so then after after a while, you start to kind of realize what the triggers are because you've cleaned it up to the point in which you can see it in a clear right. picture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: That's so good. And can you talk to us about, so about the, the, the gut brain connection and about why gluten and dairy are the places that you start? Like what is happening in the child's brain that makes gluten and dairy such triggers for so many of our kids?
3: yeah okay so this so that's a really packed in question there so let's <laughs> take it apart so so first and foremost let's just dive into like gut brain connection and then don't let me forget I'll come back to the gluten and dairy part okay cool so the gut brain connection is this idea that your gut and your brain are connected but in that way your gut and your brain brain and your whole body are connected, right? And so this isn't just a one directional relationship, it's actually Mm bi-directional. And there are a few different ways in which that connection is made, but for the purposes of today, primarily speaking, it's mostly related to that vagus nerve, which is Mm -hmm. your, um, your cranial nerve that has Major role in speech, major role in eating, major role in swallowing, in all of your movements essentially. And when, so when you think about the gut brain connection, oftentimes the two terms that you'll hear that are relatively going to be new along with it are leaky gut and dysbiosis. Mm -hmm. So let's start with just dysbiosis. So dysbiosis is a term that basically means an imbalance of your gut bacteria. So in our, in our gut, we have good bacteria. And I don't even like to say bad bacteria because they're not bad unless they are like overpowering the good, right? But we need this balance of bacteria in our gut. And for people who are not um, familiar with the gut-brain connection and the microbiome and bacteria and all these things, our body is comprised of mostly bacteria versus human cells. So, so we're actually more bacteria 10 to 1 human wow. cells. So, when you think about that, and then you think wow. back to the chemicals that we're in our, applying to our homes and um, the chemicals in our food, and, and you think about how much bacteria we really are as people, um, you start to think more about how this symbiotic relationship is so important to everything that we do and, and to our health. So we know that that bacteria in our gut specifically houses over half of our immune system, which is new research, but very important research. And um, so, so, there's, so there's that. You wanna have a good balance in your gut, okay? Starting from there but then we get into what's called leaky gut. Now, leaky gut can happen because of dysbiosis, because of that imbalance in the gut, and because the opportunistic bad bacteria start to win, right? Mm. Um, if you lick the side of your cheek, you'll feel a really smooth, yep, <laughs> a really smooth service, right? right? I think about like, that surface. So when you zoom all the way in to the gut lining, the cells of the gut lining, they look like little finger cells called villi. And actually, the finger cells have little finger cells on them called microvilli. Okay. So our digestive tract should be considered an open end to open end system, right? Hmm. We, the food goes in our mouth, goes through our body. We expel out of our bottom what we don't want and we move on, right? Open end Mm -hmm. to open end. Where we absorb our nutrients in the gut is with the help of those little finger-like cells, okay? So if you're picturing the finger-like cells, they should be permeable enough to where properly digested food particles and nutrients will go in through that lining and into the bloodstream and sent to wherever they're meant to go, right? They go where they're supposed to go. But what happens is when you get dysbiosis, when you eat foods like gluten, like dairy, like artificial flavors, dyes, preservatives, agricultural chemicals, different man-made synthetic created things, that all wreaks havoc on the gut lining. And your gut lining is always regenerating. And so for some people, it might not be of a deal. Be that big of a deal, they can handle it, right? But over time, with assault after assault after assault, and for a lot of these kids, we also have a genetic predisposition, okay? So we also have that playing too. With all of the combined factors, eventually what happens is that leaky gut, can can start to open up those villi and those finger-like cells and once those villi, those finger-like cells are compromised now we have this protective barrier that's compromised in a way where it's going to let undigested foods and particles and pathogens of other kinds into the bloodstream where they never, ever should have been in the first place, right? Because it should have all just been properly absorbed. You expel what you don't need, okay? Okay. So big protein molecules like gluten can be very, very havoc wreaking for people who are already predispositioned for that compromised gut lining. So, then what happens, especially for kiddos with Down syndrome, if you've got oral motor issues where you're then defaulting only to crunchy foods that melt in your mouth or foods like noodles or like soft foods that you really don't have to chew that much before you swallow them? Well, that's what they're defaulting to because it's safe in terms of oral motor, but over time, that then spirals into or can spiral into leaky gut and dysbiosis, which, so now let's connect the gluten and how it impacts Uh the brain. So once that barrier is compromised and casein, which is the protein molecule found in dairy, casein and gluten, which is We haven't defined gluten, so for those of you who are might be listening who have been a little lost with that, I apologize. Um, Gluten is the protein molecule found in wheat, barley, rye, um, other grains. Not all grains contain gluten, but many of them do. Conventional oats, also, if they're Mm -hmm. not gluten free, they are likely um, cross contaminated with gluten, just Mm -hmm. to put that out there. Um, So, anyways, these. Food proteins. They go into the into the gut, they get into the bloodstream through that compromised gut lining. And now they're in the bloodstream, and the bloodstream's going, Hold on, wait a second, we've never seen that in here before. We better go attack that.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: So now you have your immune system response going after those protein molecules. Mm -hmm. Now here's where it gets interesting because everyone's symptoms are so varying. Mm -hmm. So you've got some kids, um, and, and this would probably be something that a lot of kids with down syndrome would want to consider consider because of that overlap in autoimmunity where gluten will free float the body. And there will be this process of like molecular mimicry Mm -hmm. where the immune system says, oh, wait a second. Is that gluten or is it the thyroid? I'm not sure. Let's just go after it anyways. Mm. Right? So now we've got autoimmunity reacting just because of this molecular mimicry that's happening because they ate gluten. Mm. But then there's like so much more to it because also, and here's, here's where – like my specialty, I feel really lies is those kiddos who have that addictive like response to gluten, to dairy, to other foods. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And sometimes it's not even the protein. Sometimes it's a different, you know, molecule structure within that food. It might not be a protein. It might be oxalate content. It might be salicylate content. It might be glutamate content that is causing this addictive like drive towards that food so again free floats the body makes its way to the brain adds itself into the opiate like receptors right yeah and now we've got food creating a response in the body like a drug like an opioid drug so for those families where oh, my kid only eats mac and cheese and they only eat crackers and they only eat pizza and they only eat chicken nugget. Well, to me, that's a red flag for there's some gut health issues going on and your child is probably biochemically addicted in some way to that food. So you'll get those kids that like crave those foods. Maybe they're the kids who will only eat particular brands of foods. Um, they will refuse to eat other brands if they see their parents bring out another brand. Um, Or those might be the kiddos who like completely fall apart when they're offered something different. Like it's, it's, it's very obvious to me when I see it because it like impacts their quality of life to a point where everyone in the situation involved knows it's not typical picky eating. Right. 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 And I see a lot of those kiddos, who also have these neurodevelopmental diagnoses, but a lot of kiddos who don't too. Right. And that same approach works. And it's, um, it's just really interesting.
0: Yeah. I think you said something that really sparked my interest because Sunflower loves chips and pretzels. And we get gluten-free ones, but I have noticed in her personally, salt. Like the, mm-hmm. I even we do gluten-free bread, but she, the salt and the carbs sings is what she craves. And she does a little bit of fruit, a little bit of vegetables and then ketchup on everything. So that's what I mean. Like I started her off really strong. I mean, she was like only eating salmon and avocado, sweet potato. And then slowly, you know, as we're going to the park, we need to pack a snack as we're going on trips, you know, Oh, what do they have? Okay. Well, French fries, give her French fries, you know, and slowly as they got older, I just let things lie, and it's it. I know I'm not the only one, especially right because we have multiple kids, and these are traditional lunches Mm -hmm. chips, a sandwich, and some carrots, you know, or grapes. Like, you, I don't know what help me, Shandy. What should I do?
3: (laughs) Well, I don't think what you're doing is bad. Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, I don't think what you're doing is bad. Like you said, you're, you're making sure that the quality is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I would say like what, what you're saying, where my mind goes is why does she love those things so much right. is, is she so, like, for example, with the salt makes me wonder, does she need a boost in her mineral balance? Totally
0: Could she does. be
3: like craving some trace minerals? Okay. Um, Organic Olivia is an herbalist and she has a children's line and um, her Mighty Minerals formula is a really beautiful formula. Okay. Um, I love that it's, you know, kid-friendly and it's based from herbs. So yeah,
0: totally. <laughs> so
3: there's one um, to check out. But I also, when I hear that, something that comes up for me too, Mercedes, is not only could the salt be an indication that maybe she's like, you know, looking for some minerals, but also could it be that that salt really increases the sensory profile of what she's eating? Mm -hmm. So for a lot of kiddos who have Down syndrome, they can have a low awareness of their mouth or a mixed awareness of their mouth where they have some low and some high awareness in certain places. And so, for some kiddos who have like that lower awareness in their mouth, sometimes crunchier yeah. really gets their jaw going, and it really like wakes up the mouth. Okay. And and think about it this way: if you have a lower awareness of your mouth, foods like
0: oh, like a applesauce or yeah, mashed yeah, like potatoes. Plain pasta.
3: yeah, pasta. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like a plain pasta or something like that. Like those foods may not be flavorful enough. To where she feels like she can sense them. Does that make sense? Or they might not have that texture profile, that crunch enough, so where she can properly feel it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so for example, like almost all of the toddlers that I've seen who have Down syndrome refuse to eat shredded chicken. I don't know if that like resonates for your children. Does that she resonate?
0: She likes it. Um, She'll eat shredded chicken, but she actually likes it on the bone.
3: But yeah, so it's possible that she might have this like lower awareness in her mouth where she likes those crunchy textures or she likes those salty flavors because it helps wake her mouth up just a little bit. Right. And if your mouth is more awake, you're going to feel safer. Mm right? And think about this. You already told me that she has apraxia, right? If that motor planning for speech is impaired, it can also be impaired for feeding. Not always, but sometimes. And so if her mouth is not moving in the way that she's telling it to from her brain, and you may not not even realize, right? She may feel unsafe or not Mm -hmm. that she's unsafe but maybe she just feels safer with those foods
0: right wow you know sometimes
3: it's like easier just because I can feel it more so I feel safer with it
0: oh I love it yeah I'm coming to you every Tuesday or Wednesday morning are you available (laughs) (laughs) this is like the best (laughs) I'm here I'm here for you I'm here (laughs) for you I will pay you this is all the things I need to hear
2: (laughs) yes Oh, uh, speaking of uh, <laughs> we are, we're kind of coming up on the end of our hour together, and I know our listeners I'm sure have a thousand more questions for you, as do Mercedes and I, and I know there are so many listeners out there who are probably like, "But answer my speech questions <laughs> and, um and I'm sure like we can kind of leave it at like pay attention, maybe this is what you would say, Shandy." first take a step back and look at the nutrition in your child's diet. And as you, before you go to build that foundation, before you try to go deeper with, you know, getting the tools you need for their speech um, challenges.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I would say like, you don't have to perfect it before you pursue therapy. Like you can totally do that simultaneously. And I would say, especially for kiddos with Down syndrome, like, I think one of the, the biggest injustices towards the Down syndrome community is the fact that we're not getting them speech language feeding support from like day one. Yeah. Like, these mamas need to know how do I properly breastfeed this child? How do I properly introduce solids to this child? How do I properly help their speech development? You know? And, and some states are really great about making sure that parents get those resources. So before I did private practice, I was in early intervention, which is um, the state ran birth to three program, working with families um, with developmental delays in their home. And it's just disheartening and shocking how old these children were by the time they reached my caseload, because mind you, they age out at three, but I would start seeing them at like two, two and a half. When I could have started seeing them way earlier than that, wow. and really set that foundation down for the most optimal mouth development, speech, language, feeding development. Um, so I would say, for sure, nutrition and lifestyle are absolutely foundational, but don't let that stop you from pursuing therapy. Just right. know that if you pursue therapy without pursuing the underlying issues that are relating to their biochemistry, it's almost like you're throwing money into a bucket with a hole in it because they're not absorbing all of the therapy and the therapeutic progress is not going to be as good or generalize as fast if that foundation is not in place.
2: That's, that's so helpful.
3: Can you, as we wrap up, tell
2: our listeners a little bit about the distance coaching you do and how they can access that?
3: Totally. So um, I offer distance coaching to families around the world. And I, like I said, I specialize in kids with complex picky eating and developmental disorders and delays. So your child does not have to be a complex picky eater to see me, but similarly, they don't have to have a neurodevelopmental disorder to see me either. Um, really. My goal is teaching families what and how to feed their child while also looking at their health and developmental concerns and priorities and putting the developmental strategies in place to get that parent there, right? Mm -hmm. For those who are interested, you can find me at speakingofhealthandwellness.com. And I, uh, like I said, I offer distance coaching and packages, single consultations to families around the world, and I'd be honored to support you.
0: Oh, Wonderful.
3: Yay. And we'll make sure that uh, there's a
2: link in our show notes to yeah. your website, Shandy, so that our listeners can find you.
3: Perfect. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. This has been really great. I feel like we could just talk all day about all the things.
0: I think 1000%.
3: (laughs) I'm like, they are so speaking my language. I'm like, I could be such friends with them. Yay! We'll all pull out our oils
2: and start dousing each other.
3: 1000%. (laughs) I would love that. Bring all the organic snacks, gluten-free, dairy
2: That's right. It's time for us to jump over to hear from our sponsor. And we'll be right back.
1: Okay, so my Macy has been wearing Jonas Paul eyewear glasses for years now. They have been our go-to for glasses. And here are the reasons why. First of all, they are so stylish and adorable. She feels confident and beautiful. Every time she has her glasses on, she absolutely loves them. They are comfortable with arms that are adjustable to fit her face and to fit behind her ears. Jonas Paul Eyewear is affordable. Their prescription glasses start at just $79. That includes prescription lenses. And they currently offer blue light blocking lenses for extra screen time and online protection, which is great right now for all the screen time and online learning that our kids are doing. If you're interested, if your kid needs glasses, you need to head to jonaspauleyewear.com. You can use code theluckyfew15 at checkout and save 15% off just for listening. You're going to thank me, and your kid is going to look amazing.
2: All right, we are back. Thank you again to Shandy for joining us. And thank you for listening today, friends. As always, we want to hear your good news. You can leave us a voicemail or you can DM us uh, on Instagram to share your good news about your loved one with Down syndrome. We are on Instagram at the Lucky Few Pod. And if you have a product or a business, we're looking at you, organic people and branch <laughs> basics. Uh, that want to help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, we would love to partner with you. You can email hello at the lucky few for sponsorship opportunities. And remember, our dear listeners, that we have a Patreon account and that we would love for you to support us in the work that we're doing. You can always share about that in your Instagram as well with your friends uh, so that they can find out about our podcast and how we're working to shout the worth of people with Down Syndrome. And we want to give a huge thank you to our editor, Josh Avis, to our producer Val Schleter, to our sponsor and to all of you who have shared the lucky few podcast with friends and who have listened faithfully and cheered us on. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you, dear listeners, supporting your loved one with Down syndrome, you are a shouter of worth and a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We are cheering for you. We'll see you next week on the Lucky Few Podcasts. Bye. Bye.